Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. There we go. Last week we talked about the church and the structure of the church on Sunday night. And tonight I want to talk for just a few minutes on things to build a great church. Things to build a great church. So we'll start in Acts chapter 20. And we'll read verse 28. Acts chapter 20 verse 28. The Bible says, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God. And here's the main part of the text. Which he hath purchased with his own blood. The local church that you have today was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, when you study the church in Scripture, you find that there's two main churches. There's the church, which is referred to as the body of Christ, but then you also find the local church. And I have no doubt in my mind that the body of Christ was purchased with his own blood, but I also believe that the local church was purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. The local church has that much importance to God. And we have to realize that the local church is more than just a building. It's more than just the seats and the pews and the, the sound system and all of that. There's, there's churches all through town that claim that, you know, just because of the building, they're a church. But that is not what makes a church. What makes a church is the assembly. It's the people. It's the blood-washed throng. Amen? It's a called-out assembly. That's what denotes the church. This building could burn down tonight, but the church would go on. Amen? The church would still exist. The church would still be together because it's the people. It's a called-out assembly. It's the group that makes the difference. And folks, we must always remember that Jesus Christ died for the church. Jesus Christ shed his blood for the church. It's more than just gathering a crowd. Lost people can gather a crowd. But the church is different. The church is special. I have a real problem today, and this is just me now, this is my opinion, but I don't trust people who gather a crowd for quote-unquote church by having a performance. Do you all understand what I mean by that? They focus more on the music and on the performance of the music and, and on the presentation of all of that. But folks, they miss the main thing, and that's the preaching of the Word of God. The Bible says that God chose the foolishness of preaching. And if we miss preaching, we miss what God has for us. God chose preaching. I was telling some of the folks today that we had lunch with that I read an interesting article last week about 10 things that the church needs to stop doing. And the first thing they said is the church needs to stop having altar call. And to that I say, I don't, we're going to keep having altar call, Amen. I fully believe that the most precious real estate that a church has is the altar. It's where God does business with his people. Church stop having altar calls. What an idiotic thing. If someone's truly under conviction, they need to come to the altar and deal with God and let God deal with them. 
Another thing they said that churches need to stop having are long sermons. Does this tell you where the church is going today or where people think the church is going today? Hey, I say preach it long, preach it hot, preach it loud, and let her rip tater chip. Amen. I wouldn't give you two plugged nickels for someone who can't preach It says he's called a pastor church. Folks, we need preaching. That's what makes the difference is preaching. Preaching is a lost art. You say it's an art? It most definitely is an art. Because what art does, it communicates to people. That's the whole purpose and focus of art. Do you know what preaching is? It's a form of communication that reaches out to people and it touches people. We have lost the art form of true preaching. People say today, well, there'll never be another Spurgeon. There'll never be another Moody. You know what? We're not training men to be those kind of men today. It's a shame. But we've lost, we've lost the call of God on preaching. We must have preaching. It's basic. It's fundamental. It's true. It's what God chose. It makes a difference in people's hearts. And in order to have true preaching, you must have true preachers. God called, God ordained, God touched, God anointed preachers. And that's who we need to pastor our churches today. Folks, churches are dying. Why? For these very reasons. No altar call. Shorten up the preaching. Maximum of 10 minutes, they said. You're nuts. You're nuts. I can't even read my text in 10 minutes. Something else they said that, that churches need to stop doing, and this drove me crazy. You ready? They said that congregational singing needs to stop. I thought, whoever wrote this article is a lunatic. He really is. Because you know what that music does, that congregational singing does? It takes you out of what's outside these four walls and it allows you to focus what's going on inside these four walls. It prepares you for the message. And all these things continually tell me that what's happening is, is that the church is losing its focus. We must maintain our focus. In the last days as times are winding down, ladies and gentlemen, we must maintain our focus. You say, why are churches letting all these things go? It's not that we're letting them go, we're giving them up. I appreciate the last couple of weeks, man, I've preached at y'all pretty hard. I'm glad you do. Jeannie's back there, let them have it, right? <laughs> Can I tell you something? That's what it's about. And it's like I told you this morning. I don't preach like that because I'm upset with you. I preach like that because I love you. And I want to enhance your relationship with your Savior. I want you to have the best relationship you can possibly have as your pastor. That's my responsibility. 
But as I told Miss Patty this afternoon, she was telling me that uh, the last two weeks have really been, been hot. Well, they have been. But the problem is, you say, why does God lead a man to preach like that? I'll tell you why. Because complacency has crept into the church. People get complacent. Well, I don't need to do that. I don't need to do this. I can just let this slide by. It's not going to matter. Yes, it is going to matter. If you want to have a great church, these things matter. If you want to see people saved, these things matter. You want to see people get right with God, these things matter. You want to see your pastor have the touch of God on him? These things matter. Well, Brother David, you're just, you're, you're, just, you're just having a fit. I'm not having a fit. You want to see me have a fit? I'll have a fit. What I'm trying to do is I'm trying, as I said, enhance your relationship with Christ. Remember what I said this morning? If you read it, he speaks. If you pray, he hears. If you give, he provides. And when you attend, he blesses. But you know why people don't, don't read? They don't think they need to hear God speak anymore. You know why people don't pray? They don't believe God hears. Why don't people give? Why don't they tithe? Because they think they can take better care of themselves than God can take care of them. I'm telling you the truth. And I'll guarantee you, someone will miss a blessing tonight because they're not here. Watching the Gladiator channel. Amen. If y'all weren't here a couple weeks ago, you won't get that. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? Brother Dean, am I telling the truth? Brother Jim? You see, we need what the church offers. Because I promise you, if we're not faithful to church, we'll be faithful to something else. The first thing we have to have in order to build a great church is we must magnify God's word. We must magnify God's word. Look at Psalm chapter 138 with me for a minute. Psalms 138 verse 2. The Bible says I will, look at that word, worship. I will worship toward Thy holy temple, and praise thy name for thy loving kindness, and for thy truth, for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. We must magnify God's word. Folks, if it wasn't for this book, what would we have? Absolutely nothing. Tell me, what led you to accept Christ as your Savior? It was this book. Tell me what makes a difference. It's this book. I've said it before and I'll say it again. What I hold in my hand is paper and ink and leather and a ribbon. But folks, the words that are written inside this book are my Savior, Jesus Christ. We must magnify this word. We must magnify the book. We must lift it up. 
It's not a matter of open interpretation or, you know, people say, well, you know, it's like the Bible. It's how everybody interprets it. The Bible says it's of no private interpretation. There's one interpretation of the Scripture. And we must take that interpretation as the Holy Ghost gives to His people and magnify this book. Is it precious to you? Do you love it? The problem is people don't love this book anymore. I can remember, and some of y'all don't think I'm this old, but I am. I can remember reading it in school. Say, read your Bible, Pledge of Allegiance. They don't even do that anymore. What's happening to our country? I'll tell you what's happening. They don't magnify the Word of God anymore. We're missing out on God's blessing by not magnifying the Scripture. Lift it up. Sunday morning, something that we do, and I hope that it becomes a habit in our church, it's never stopped. But when I read the text on Sunday morning, what do we do? We stand. Why? It's in reverence of the Scripture. Thy Word is a lamp unto my feet. The longest chapter in the Scripture is Psalm 119. And guess what it deals with? The Word of God. This book will give you joy. It'll give you peace. It'll give you comfort. It'll correct you. It'll straighten you out. It'll tell you exactly what you need to know. This book is exactly what we need. It'll make you happy. It'll make you glad. It'll make you sad. And sometimes it'll make you mad. But we must, we must magnify the Word of God. If we don't, what are we doing here? If we don't magnify the Word of God, why are we here? Please answer that. Why are we here if we do not magnify the Word of God? When I, when I thought about that word magnify, I thought about when I was a kid with a magnifying glass. And used to focus the sun on something and you know, set ants on fire and all kinds of stuff, you know, flies and whatever else you could find. I burn all them flies up. Anyway, we should magnify. You know what that magnification does? It focuses. It focuses the power of the sun. Did you all catch that? When we magnify the Word of God, what are we doing? We're, we're magnifying the power of not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N. You want to see somebody's life change? You'll be changed with that right there. You know what churches are walking away from? You know what churches are leaving behind? You know what preachers leave behind every day of their life? Read my book. No, read his book. Read the Lord's book. We must magnify the Word of God. I'll tell you the next thing we need to do in order to have a great church, we must magnify God. Can I tell you this? 
Guess how much of God this lost world's going to see? How much God they see in you. We magnify God. We must lift Him up. We must show this world that He is worthy of our praise, of our love, of our adoration, of our worship. Aren't we here to worship? Aren't we here to praise Him? Boy, when we fail to worship, when we fail to worship, we, we do not magnify God. How in the world can we not worship when we're assembled together, a group of us together, trying to build a great church for God? We must worship. Worship is more than Sunday morning service. But worship is what? Whenever two or three... We must worship. God desires our worship. He desires our adoration. He desires our love. Look at John chapter 12. John chapter 12. In verse 32. Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. We must lift him up. And the more we lift him up, more people will be drawn unto him. And I'm not talking about having a crucifix hanging on the wall. But what I'm saying is that we must magnify God. We must magnify our Savior. And through our magnification, this lost world will see who we are what we believe. We'll see how God cares for us by how we show them how we care for Him. We must lift Him up. We must give Him the glory. We must give Him the honor. We must give Him the praise. Too many times people try to do things as an individual. But folks, we must work as a church, as a body together. It's not about what you do, it's about what we do. And that way God gets the glory through the church. Not the individual, not the person, but God gets the glory. I think I shared this story with you some time ago, but I went to a pastor's fellowship one time, and they were saying, well, you know, it's brother so-and-so's church and, and brother David's church and this guy's church and I got up in front of them and I said it ain't my church it belongs to Jesus Christ don't ever say this is brother David's church this is grace this is God's church it belongs to him the seats that you're sitting in don't belong to you they belong to Jesus Christ the building that we're sitting in don't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Where you park your car doesn't belong to you. It belongs to Jesus Christ. We must give him the honor and the glory and the praise. People say, well, the, pe the people there are really nice, so I will go there. I like that pastor and the way he preaches, so I will go there. I'd rather go to a church that magnifies Jesus Christ and magnifies the Word of God and be a part of a church like that than a church that has a 50-piece orchestra, the greatest music program in the world, 
I like music. I, I like good music. Don't get me wrong. And God deserves good music and good praise that way. But what's more important is lifting up the Word of God. What's more important is lifting up Jesus Christ. And these things will build a good church. We need to have good music, good preaching, good ministry, good schools, good people. But all these things must do what? They must point to Christ. And if they don't, we fail in building a great church. Look at Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11. In verse 21. We'll start me in verse 19. Acts chapter 11 verse 19. The Bible says, Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen, traveled as far as Phoenice and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, And the hand of the Lord was with them, and a great number believed, and turned unto the Lord. Folks, we not only need to magnify the Word of God, we not only need to magnify our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but we've got to have God's hand in it to build a great church. I am so jealous and so envious of these preachers, of these pastors. I don't have this. I wish I did. But they just have that charisma where you just want to be around them all the time. I hate those guys. <laughs> I mean, just their personality, you know? They just have that personality where, you know what I'm talking about, people like that? You just want to be around them? You just, something about them? I'm sorry? Yeah. But the thing of it is this, man. You can have all of that you want and all, everything in the world. You can have Someone who knows that Bible front to back as your pastor. You can have the greatest song leader in the world and the greatest pianist in the world. But if God's hand isn't in it, you've got nothing. You've got nothing. Can I tell you something? Sometimes a Sunday morning, I go back in my office and I hide before service. I'll do that during Sunday school. And I'll sit in my office and I'll go over my message. But you know what I'm doing more than anything? I'm praying. And I'm saying, God, touch me. Touch your people. God, touch the singing. Touch the worship. Touch the giving. Touch the reading of the Word of God. Touch the imitation. Because if He doesn't touch it, it's nothing. His hand has to be involved. You say, why does His hand have to be involved? I've never read in the Scripture where anything was created that God was not involved in it. You say, well, why does God's hand have to be involved in the creation of a church? 
because a church is an organization, but it's not only an organization, it's an organism. A church is alive. A church can grow. And the only thing I know that grows is alive. You know why it's alive? Because we've been made alive in Christ Jesus. And as we come together, we form this organism that God bought with his own blood. You see, this church, this church, this church should mean everything to you. It's what God has chosen, what God has ordained. Brother Martin, serenity should mean everything to you. Willing to defend it, protect it, fight for it, fight for your pastor, for Miss Michelle. I mean, everything about it. That's the value of what serenity does. Hey, Grace, you've been through a hard time. And you know what I'm saying is true. There were people who weren't willing to stand up, willing to fight, willing to go the extra yard, willing to give beyond their capability to keep the church going. And people found it easier to bail than it was to stay and go through the fight. Can I tell you, it happens all the time. And I can tell you this. It was no small decision to come and get in on the fight. Even though it wasn't my fight. I made it my fight. God made it my fight. You know why? Because the first Sunday we were here, God did something to my heart and to that lady's heart back there. He broke our heart for this place. Folks, this is what God desires. That we see a grand and glorious church built for His honor and His glory. But we must magnify the Word of God. We must magnify our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we must constantly, we must constantly beg Him to have His hand. His hand in the work of the church. And I can say this, there'll be times when things happen that you may not like it. And I may not like it. But we must be willing to put aside what we want and what we like for the honor and glory of God. You know what it's called? It's called obedience. It's called submission. Sometimes we don't like to obey what God sets before us. Sometimes we don't like to submit to the direction that God sets for us. But it's all about a glorious church, a grand church, where people, where the, listen, where the church is clean and it's holy. You know one thing about the church? Hey, ladies, when, when, when you had a child, did you go to the, the dirtiest place you could find to give birth to that child? You went to the cleanest place provided to give birth to that child. You know what I believe? 
if the church is clean and holy and righteous and it's pure the way it needs to be, that's where God will allow his children to be born. Someplace that's clean. You know what we're going to do? We're going to keep a clean church. And I don't only mean physically, but I mean spiritually and righteously. We're going to be godly. We're going to be scriptural. We're going to do everything we can to keep it right. So that children, newborn babies, can be born right here. That's what God wants. Magnify the word. Magnify our God. And God have your hand in it. That's what I want for our church. That's what I need for our church. It's more than what I want. It's what I need. You say, why do you need it, Brother David? It's real simple. It's real simple. You ready? It's about bringing honor and glory to God. And what has God called us to do? Very simple. To bring honor and glory to God. And if God's called us to do that, then guess what? You need it. You need it. Because you won't be happy until you have it. Remember what it was like, how you felt when you got saved? There was this joy and this happiness that came over you that you've never been able to replicate. Can I tell you how to have that feeling again? Lead someone to Christ. I need it. I had one pastor who used to say it's like a drug. He said, I'm a junkie, man. He said, I need the drug of seeing people saved. I don't think that's a good analogy. But I tell you what I do believe. We should want it. We should need it. There was one time in my pastorate, and I'll never forget it, one of the craziest things I've ever seen. But we went, eight, I believe it was eight weeks, and every Sunday, somebody was walking the aisle and getting saved. Every Sunday morning. You talk about a bunch of people who were lit. Wouldn't that be cool if it happened here? It can be. Magnify the word. Magnify God. Beg him to have his hand in it. And people will get saved. That's what the church is all about. Oh, it's fun to have fellowships. It's fun to get together. It's fun to have, make friends in the church and so on and so forth. That's a blessing. But that's not the main reason of the church. The main reason, are you ready? The main reason is to change eternity. To change eternity. You say, we have that ability? Yes, we do. Because every time a sinner comes to Christ, what happens? Eternity has been changed. That's how you build a grand and glorious church. So tonight, very simple. Very simple invitation tonight. Will you join with your pastor and pray? And say, God, we will do what we can to magnify the word of God. Lord, we will do what we can do to lift up your son, Jesus Christ. 
Will you get down on your face before God and say, God, please have your hand on our church and in our church and in the ministry of Grace Missionary Baptist Church that we might see a lost and dying world changed. People come to Christ. Lives change. Families put together. Eternity changed, modified because people have accepted Christ. Will you pray with me tonight? Let's all stand for a minute. Miss Patty, would you please? Can we right now gather together as a church, as individuals, as families, and say, Lord, we want a grand and glorious church. We need, we need, and I'm not talking about so many people we have to add. I'm not talking about building a, a mega church. There's a difference. But I'm talking about building a grand and glorious church. So as Miss Patty plays something on the piano, let's just gather around this old altar and pray. And say, God, build, help us to build a grand church to build a glorious church that he would receive the honor and the glory and the praise that we would always be faithful to magnify the word of God that we would always be faithful to magnify our Savior Jesus Christ that we would always, always be faithful to beg God to have his hand in the work in the work in the work Folks, I believe that if we as a church continue to pray this way as individuals, as families, as a church body, there's no stopping grace. I do too, Brother Glenn. I do too. Because when you have this many people come to the altar and pray and ask, beg God, knowing it's in full accordance with His will, God will answer. God will answer. I need it. I want it. And I believe you do too. We have some dear friends from Serenity with us tonight. Isn't that a blessing? Come all the way up here to worship with us tonight. So, uh, y'all, uh, welcome him. Amen. He's my friends. Part of my church family. We have the same pastor. I was talking to somebody not too long ago and they were telling me about an event they went through in their life and they said they didn't handle it well. And They were pastoring a church at the time and eventually it, it caused a lot of problem in their church, in their home, in their marriage. And I looked at him and I said this, the reason you didn't handle it well is because every pastor needs a pastor. One too long ago, Brother Hooker lost his pastor, Brother Stansel. Brother Don and I were on the phone the other day and he said, David, he said, what am I going to do? He said, I lost my pastor. I said, I'll make a deal with you, preach. He said, what's that? I said, when I need you, I'll call you. I said, when you need me, you call me. 
He said, that'll work. Every pastor needs a pastor. Somebody they can talk to. Somebody they can lean on. Brother Don Hooker is my pastor. Not saying he has any authority over this church. This is our church. But when I need somebody that I need to talk to, that's my pastor. You all understand? Hey, we're all human. I'm going to ask Brother Martin to pray for us and dismiss us. Would you, brother? I'd appreciate it.